Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. right here on ultimatesportstalk.com and Block Talk Radio. Just your host, Oscar Lopez. A big weekend in the WFA as well as Gridiron Victoria in the women's uh, scene as well as an awesome weekend in the FXL, the Female Extremo Latino in conjunction with the first Mexico um, Professional League uh, Mexico Bowl, which is their Super Bowl for like the NFL. So it was uh, the Mayas winning the Mexico Bowl down in Mexico, and in conjunction, FXFL, as well as a whole slate weekend of the PGFL as well. So a lot to talk about. And then we have BAFA women coming up here uh, in, another, in another weekend, Legends Football League. So a lot of uh, you know, women's gridiron to talk about in the next uh, hour or so. So we have two guests today. We're going to have uh, Mark Steferi, which you guys are familiar with. Um, if you guys follow us on Twitter or Facebook, He's a contributor to uh, football, uh, football Canada, as well as uh, Canada Football Chat. And he has uh, a couple blogs that he works with for himself, uh, Allow Her to Play, and as well as Fourth and Feminine. So we're going to be talking to him. And as well, we'll have uh, Captain Cl- uh, Crutches coming back, uh, Holly Custis, later in the <laughs> hour, to talk about the WFA Week 2 recap, uh, the Majestic surviving a 13-0 uh, win against Tacoma. And then, uh, obviously, uh, looking forward to another uh, week as the Majestics go to Portland to take on the Shockwave um, to see how they're going to fare there. So, uh, Troy Wilson, along with Nkishi Free with me. Uh, Troy, let's just, uh, I don't want to, you know, go on a downer here, but uh, the Will Smith incident in New Orleans, that's just, uh, I don't know, just, I would just want to call it stupid, but, you know, guns. Uh, people against guns, I can tell you right now, guns are not the problem. It's just like people against people driving cars. Um, so just, it's just stupidity that happens with, you know, with anything. But uh, it was just a just horrible situation for this, you know, a talented individual, number one. And number two, I mean, uh, didn't seem like this guy was involved with anything as far as I know from now. And 
just seemed like a just an incident that just went horrible. And this young kid over here, I mean, he just I know uh, Matthew was on um, a couple of radio shows saying, you know, he got death, uh, he he got threats from the kid's family and everybody in New Orleans. So I, I don't, you know, I don't understand it. Um, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, in, in, you know, heavy Hispanic community with gang stuff as well. So uh, I don't know if this is in that similar light, but can you, you know, put your two cents to it. I mean, this is, this is just horrible. Well, uh, New Orleans has been in the news a lot uh, regarding, uh, you know, gun violence, gang violence. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, in some sections of that city, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, it's not to the point of Chicago, but it's bad enough, and it's one of those, you know, one of those cities where those things can happen. And unfortunately, it happened, you know, to Will Smith. And you know, when I initially heard it, man, I mean, it got, I, I was just shocked, you know, because I mean, you never hear anything uh, bad about the guy, but then you always wonder, you know, how these things transpire. I mean. And then, you know, but but at the same time, you know, forgetting, you know, who was at fault or what happened. The fact of the matter is that two lives were lost. Um, Will Smith being one of them, and the young man who who pulled the trigger, his life will never be the same again either. So I mean, both of these lives, and not to mention the children that are involved, and and you know his wife, and it's just sad all the way around. But just. The, the the fact that guns get involved, whether it be verbally or someone actually pulls a gun, I I, I hate to say this, but I mean it's like you, you see this the, the the gun numbers in this country, and we're well over ten thousand, you know, uh, gun related deaths. When everyone else in in other countries, at least you know, other than the third world countries, you don't see that kind of thing happen. And most of these other countries have gotten to the point where they have legislated the gun use and gun laws and, and just made them illegal. And then you hear people sit back and say, well, if you make guns illegal, um, the criminals will still get them. Okay, well, well, so should we stop enforcing traffic laws? Why have any laws at all? Of course you're going to have people that's going to break them. But, you know, the, in my opinion, these things need to be regulated. But it's just sad to, to hear that that happened to them. Yeah, I, you know, from a military standpoint, I, I can agree on one end. From uh, being a soldier, it would be taking that, like I said, uh, you know, beginning, uh, the gun isn't the issue. It's the human being behind the gun that is either goes away or just bad. Um, you know, whether you get a gun or not, I mean, it's just like driving a car, like I said. You know, anybody can drive a car and just, you know, kill anybody. But, you know, the, the bottom line is self-control and self-awareness is, is the key with anything not just a gun or a car, you know what I mean? So it's just sad that uh, the individuals, you know, I don't know why he got targeted. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'll figure it out here in the next in the next week or two as to what his intentions were uh, with Will Smith, uh, which I thought, you know, I don't know, just, it's just crazy. And Kishi, you got anything on that? Troy did a great job of summing up a lot of my thoughts. Um, I am from the South, and um, I do have family from New Orleans. And um, Troy is absolutely correct that there are some parts of New Orleans that make you think you are literally in a third world country. And sadly, some of it dates back to some of the Katrina stuff because 
you know, most of the people who were left behind that you kept hearing about were left behind not because they wanted to stay. They didn't have a way to get out. You're talking about people with no public transportation and all kind of other issues. And when they were rebuilding the city, those weren't the sections that they were investing in. Those were they weren't yeah, I, I know, building those homes and things. So I mean, it, I know they were doing back to it. Yeah, but I know they were just, doing primarily. You know, the 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 districts were you know the financial districts, if you want to call it the touristic districts. The tourist areas. That's, the that's it. Yeah, exactly. And the other, so you have people who already didn't have much hope coming back to more not hope. That being said, there's no excuse for that, and. You know, road rage across the country is becoming problematic where, you know, you think that it's okay because the way the whole thing initially started was someone hit this young man's car and in, and it was a hit and run. Now, I don't know who is at fault for the hit and run, but for him to go chasing after that person because he told the person, he told a witness, stay here for the police to come so you can be a witness. No, that's your job. You stay for the police and you tell the police how you were wrong, you know, as opposed to trying to go out and get vigilante justice. And secondly, you shot somebody not once, but twice. And you shot the the wife. The couple was just coming from a fundraiser downtown. So at some point you had to have thought at some point when you pulled the trigger the first time, okay, I'll give you, I'm in the moment, but a second and a third. Now at that point, you 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 know there was thought, and I that's just unacceptable. That's unacceptable, yeah. and there's a family now grieving, and that is so painful. Yeah. We just, have to do better. It's, it's a it's a sad it's a sad uh, like I said it's a sad uh, incident to really call it that if, if you want to call it that. But we'll get more details. As, as the week goes by in terms of, you know, what's going to happen and everything else. But, you know, I, I mean, everybody feels differently about everything, you know, everybody feels different about the gun laws and every type of things that go into it, but we're not going to go into political, you know, rant on each other here. Um, we're just talking football in general here. So within the football realm of it, it's kind of sad that uh, Will Smith Absolutely. obviously, um, you know, just got the brunt of it. So we're, hope, we're hoping and prayers are out there that, uh, his wife will recover, which I, I hear she will. And in that sense, hopefully, um, you know, she's in good status and he's, he planned ahead and hopefully his family will be taken care of. And that's priority right there. Um, so um, you and Inkishi, uh, I want to thank you guys. Periscope, it was kind of crazy, windy. And all phones froze, <laughs> so <laughs> kind of like being at phones, the uh, being at, in Alaska or in the tundra. So um, I, I know Kishi bailed on you, Troy, because she actually went to the uh, penalty box up north to cover up with Callie. <laughs> so uh, she took she she bailed out. Um, but that no, was temporarily not bailing. That was called strategic planning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could see yeah. Troy's phone freezing because he's on the sidelines and he was probably getting runned over in the process. <laughs> But uh, other than that, I mean, uh, it was uh, it was it, it looked like it was heavy winds, and like you like you guys were talking about, uh, you know, during the periscope, it was pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy uh, atmosphere in terms of Mother Nature. So, uh, uh, Kishi, go ahead. Same. You're you're first. 
Yeah, my favorite part, and I, I'm hoping Troy will agree, was when the DC Divas tried to kick the extra point and the ball was going right to the goal line and then it literally stopped right before it crossed the plane of the uprights and then the wind pushed it back. Both of us looked at each other like, what in the world just sure. happened? <laughs> I had never seen uh, anything yeah. that crazy. I just knew they were going to get the field goal. That and then the uh, then the snow starting to come down as, um, you know, we were uh, watching the game. But the game itself was amazing. Hard hit. You could hear the crunch. Oh my gosh, there was nothing better than you could. I mean, those ladies were going for broke. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's called uh, brutality it was, uh, on an acceptable level, and it's not going to take you to jail. So I'm pretty sure they have a free card. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean, watching that game, it was, uh, it, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, just watching both of those teams and just, just the level of play itself. I mean, because it looked like they were all prepared. You know, um, Dallas came out and they actually controlled the ball for the first ten minutes of the game. One of, one part of it was due to uh, a muffed punt, um, you know, through the DC, and you know they held the ball for about ten minutes in that first quarter, and they drove down, you know, inside the ten yard line and they couldn't score. And you know, I'm watching, you know, Washington's defense out there. Uh, DC's defense playing out there in, in that first half. I mean, they were, I, I think, by, maybe by the second quarter, I think, well, well, excuse me, by the end of the first quarter, I think both teams have started to figure out, okay, we can do this and we can do that due to the, you know, to the weather conditions. And then you start to see some scoring. Uh, DC really picked it up, and I think they, first, they scored the first two touchdowns, and then uh, Dallas started to come back, and then that second half, uh, Dallas looked like they had it all figured out. I'm not sure if, if yeah, I think it might have been a little bit of both of Dallas figuring out what DC wanted to do on defense, and at the same time, uh, the Divas wearing down uh, because again, that first 10 minutes uh, they were on that field, and I had said at the right of time during, during the um, periscope, I said, you know, this this may come back to hurt them because they're on the field for a long time, and I, you started to see that the rest of the game. Now you saw Dallas Elite live. Uh, is it you know if you if you seen it last year on the score sheet, uh, high powered over fifty points, averaging over fifty points. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Well, definitely the Dallas team because I went over to their side um, after the halftime, and of course you did. They came out totally different than the team that went in they were re-energized they were invigorated and the energy and the effort with which they played their whole game at that point in time was strictly to do defensive stops that was their game plan at that point in time was strictly defensive stops and they were determined that they were going to hold the dc divas and not allow them to score anymore yeah, I definitely. Well, agree and, with that. and the score was very indicative of that in the first half. It was kind of tight, but then it started to run away, right? Yeah, it did. Um, and it's, you know, toward the uh, end of the third quarter and going into the fourth quarter, Dallas just kind of just took they just took it over, and you started to see. I mean, what Dallas was doing was pounding the ball, 
but they started to hit them deep with some with some deep passes. But then you would see Dallas start breaking off long runs, and anytime you see a team breaking off long runs, the first thing you think is is that the defense is tired. And DC started to look tired at, toward the end of that game. I mean, they they were literally were worn down. But you know, Dallas just kept on coming. They kept coming. You know, they stuck with it in the second half, and they they. I agree with Nkishi. I mean, they came out with a with a whole new fire coming out in that second half, and uh, they were just they looked like they were just ready to play. Uh, but I will tell you this: I was on both sidelines, and the passion that these ladies played with. I mean, you talking about it was some harsh words that were being thrown around out there. Both of these both of these teams, they really wanted to win, and you could see like the fire in everyone's eyes. The coaching staffs. Um, the owners were out there. It was just it was just great all the way around. I mean, just listening to the back and forth between these two teams. But then at the end of the day, they came out there and they shook hands and they kept it systemly out there. It was just it was just great to see. Yeah, and you got Dallas. This was really the revenge game in a lot of ways, but also a real test. Uh, remember, Odessa was telling us how they were working their off season. Uh, a lot more than the first, you know, the first inaugural's expansion, which is in you know, last year. So, uh, did you guys, did you get to see that? I mean, did you think they were their level was elevated? I mean, we didn't get to see them last year, but it just, it probably looked like it, right? I mean, adjustments were made at halftime, and they came back. Um, Tiffany Hill and Alberta Britson, I mean, probably one of the key players there on the on the running back and the receiver end of it things. But uh, you know, it was it's good to see in terms of combination you know that they worked i think they worked the ground game pretty well and they do that very well so it's not all throwing you know all throws and stuff like that but they do have a balanced attack so um you know dc missing cali uh cali on the on the ground uh probably uh, i mean could be a factor at that point for lessening it but given the score and the amount of points that dallas put up uh it just it, they're, i think they're ready for uh next week i mean they, they get they face arlington um, at this point next week, and D.C. Uh, goes on the road to take on the Renegades. So Renegades, uh, I mean, they put up a, a good a good amount of points first week and second week, so uh, it's going to be a, a tough battle for D.C. Um, looks like 0-2. I don't want to throw that in, but it's going to look like an 0-2 start for them. Uh, given the schedule and how aggressive it is, um, I don't know. It's, I, I don't want to be them, but uh, Neil predicted it. They might fall. Uh, the first couple games. Yeah, and a lot of what was being said in that on that Dallas sideline was just that that they wanted they wanted to come back to this game and they wanted to, they wanted to to make a point. They wanted to come out there and show DC that they felt like they should have won that game last year, and that was that was a lot of what was being said on the sideline is that they felt like they knew they could have won that game, and they came out with a fire and and they wanted to prove that. And it looks like they did. They just they wanted to turn. They wanted to keep the gas on. That was the one thing they kept saying: keep it up, keep it up, keep putting, put um, you know, putting the pedal to the metal. Let's keep pushing forward because they wanted to make a point to the DC team. Awesome. Did you guys get to see Jen out there, Jen Walter? I know she last minute uh, was announced that she was uh, donning the elite uni. So uh, I don't know if she played a couple times in there or not, or if she played at all. I didn't see Jim. As a matter of fact, I thought Jim was going to wear 22. But uh, when I went out there, it looked like Odessa was wearing number 22, who usually wears number three. 
And um, I talked to Odessa during the game, well, after the game. And, um, you know, I didn't see Jen out there, but I did speak with Odessa. So maybe she's uh, going to be uh, grouping up for next week because it was kind of like a late edition and stuff like that. All right, guys. Um, so we'll go back to D.C. in a little bit here. But first, let's bring in our guest. Um, he's Mark Staferi. He um, is a contributor for Canada Football Chat, as well as all, um, Allow Her to Play and the Fourth and Feminine blog. And Mark is going to be with us today to talk about the Western Women's Canadian Football League, as well as the Maritime Football League. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Oscar Lopez with Nkishi Free and Troy Wilson. And I hope you're having a good week and a good new year. Oh, very good. And thank you for having me tonight. So, Mark, uh, the last time we talked, um, you were doing hockey. And I, I, I don't want to sway from football, but let's talk about the excitement in women's hockey right now just for a couple minutes here because sure. it's sort of, sort of a goal that women's gridiron wants to attain to. Uh, it's been an exciting year. I've followed it. Um, I will tell you, um, you know, as, as I followed it as passionate as I follow my Los Angeles Kings. Um, I, I was following the, uh, the Boston Pride. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the leagues up there have, cons- have put themselves in a position where some sponsors are taking, uh, you know, they're taking them in. And so, you know, tell us a little bit about that, in, in, and then we can go into how, you know, the women's game may be able to benefit from all this. Yeah, well, there's no question the NWHL had an amazing first season. And uh, you're right, the Boston Pride, they were the gold standard. They won the championship. And uh, I don't think there's any question that they are the uh, the signature franchise. And uh, I really think that part of what just made the NWHL so great was uh, the star power that league had. And I think that for women's football, once their superstars like Jen Welter become more known, it's only going to help increase the awareness uh, for the gridiron game. And uh, Hillary Knight, I mean, I, I, I will admit I have a crush on Hillary Knight right now, but anyways, <laughs> cause she's a very good, very good hockey player. Um, you know, gold medalist. Uh, I mean, she did a lot, especially for team USA and as an individual, um, she's, you know, as a team together, I think the league itself uh, is starting to put themselves maybe next year and the year uh, after that, where maybe the NHL owners will start to notice the branding being uh, something that they can support. And I I really think that that's going to be the, the benefit to them. No, I agree totally. I know that uh, in the uh, Canadian league that's existed for a few years, Uh, The NHL teams out in uh, Montreal and Calgary and Toronto, they've shown some support for some of the Canadian women's teams. And I don't think there's any question that eventually that's going to have to happen in the NWHL. I think that if the United States wins the gold medal at the next Olympics, I think that's really going to make a big difference. And I think that probably would be the factor that gets uh, the Boston Bruins or the New York Rangers more involved with the sponsorship of the professional women's teams in the Northeast. Now, Mark, uh, we had a lot of stories, and you you do a great job with your blogs. Thank you. So uh, if everybody everybody doesn't know, allowed her to play, and then fourth and feminine, uh, they cut, you know, you're covering a lot of the, 
you know, a lot of the players that obviously need recognition or they've done something outstanding that needs to be, you know, recognized. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk specific WWCFL. New logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got opportunities now. The change is over. Maritimes always had, you know, an issue with uh, numbers in that region. Yes. Um, so the last time I talked to a couple people in the WWCFL, um, they were not so inclined to maybe bring or take onto that region as part of their umbrella, and that, mm-hmm. and obviously because it's western side of Canada. But overall, um, last year was a great year for them. Regina takes the title, uh, Saskatoon being the juggernaut since the initiation of the league, and you know so it was kind of a a great story during the season when Regina finally gets over, you know, takes the monkey off their back as per se. And they, and they beat the Valkyries in the regular season. And then they go forward and obviously get their championships. So, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, the the CFL teams and even some of the programs in Canada are very, very more supportive. So than in the U S league or leagues, uh, in Canada, in terms of support uh, from the CFL clubs as well as the local, some of the local, you know, university uh, uh, clubs as well. Sure. So starting to starting to see that starting to see that transition where they're actually getting on the map as a legit sport as well, just like college and just like pro. So your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. Oh, I totally agree with that. I know that uh, in Saskatchewan, that's definitely the football capital of Canada, without a doubt. And I know, too, that uh, in Alberta, uh, there are some high school regions where there are actually all-girls tackle football teams. So I know that, especially in the West, football in some areas, you could say it's more popular than hockey. So I think there's definitely that feeling of community, and that's a big part of why these areas are embracing the game so much. Now, uh, Troy, you got any questions for Mark? Hey, Mark, how's it going? It's Troy Wilson. Oh, good to hear from you. Good to hear from you as well. Hey, I um, just wanted to go back to your question about, uh, well, you've made a comment about, um, you know, hopefully that the Bruins and teams like the Bruins and Rangers will start to um, be sponsors for the NWHL. How do you see that same thing um, maybe happening for women's football? Do you see maybe like the the, the Canadian teams um, in the Canadian Football League or the NFL eventually coming around to sponsoring the the women's football teams? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked that question because uh, uh, the championship that Regina won uh, a few months ago, that actually took place in a CFL stadium. Uh, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers – Uh, gave the use of their stadium for that league game. And uh, I know, too, that a lot of the girls on the teams, they actually volunteer. I know in Calgary, a lot of the girls volunteer there. Uh, In Winnipeg, a lot of the girls from the Manitoba Fearless, uh, they help out with different functions for the Blue Bombers. I think it's just a question that with the NFL, once they get to know the players a bit better, I think you're seeing it in D.C. with the Redskins' support of the Divas. I think that with time, they'll get to know each other a lot better, and that support will take on, and it'll go very quickly. But it's just that that icebreaker that needs to happen at first. 
And do you think it'll be an issue of dollars and cents, or to be a thing where they just say they want to they want to advocate? Um, you know, because there is this this big push in the NFL to get women involved in the game, whether it be in coaching, like we had Jen Welter uh, go um, uh, she interned with the with the Cardinals, and they also had the New Orleans Saints. Um, they used the New Orleans Saints facility to to host the uh, women's game to help them as far as like um, uh, you know getting base knowledge of the fundamentals of football and things like that. And you also mentioned the Redskins. Do you feel like that um, eventually it'll be about more about just it's the right thing to do, or do you think that it'll be a partnership where it's dollars and cents involved, where the NFL is also making money off of? Well, I, uh, I agree with your first point that it's definitely going to be the right thing to do. I know that there were uh, eight girls from the WWCFL who went to New Orleans. And in speaking of those girls, uh, the chance to be at that facility, that's the highlight of their career. It was that important to them. And I think that eventually it's just going to be that question of doing the right thing. I think that there'll be more Jen Welters in the near future and as that comes along, I think that you really will see the NFL step up. And I think that with these world championships, if that can get some type of TV exposure, that will also make a big difference. Definitely agree with Keisha, that. Keisha, you got anything for Mark? No, I actually agree with, um, you know, everything that you guys have said so far in terms of expo- – well, I mean, you already know my background is in PR, so – for me, it's always about exposure. It's always about information. It's always about creating that awareness. Um, because after seeing it live, there's a quality product on that field. Um, there's definitely talent. Uh, what I really enjoyed watching uh, my first live game, you know, because all the games I've seen have always been, you know, on YouTube or something like that. Um, but not just that there's talent and Troy and I talked about this um, on Saturday was the hard hitting fundamentals. We were watching and, um, and I can't remember right off the, I think it was a uh, DC United and it was a beautiful tackle, but she went straight by the book. She didn't get injured and the player she was tackling didn't get injured, but she stopped the she stopped the the run. They made the play, and they were I think it was um, the DC Divas, and they were able to keep um, Dallas Elite out of the um, end zone because they were down in the red zone. And it was good fundamental hits, blocks, tackles, and I enjoyed it. And well, I'll tell you something. As you know, as I was walking up to the game. Um, they said, you know, what are you here for? Because there were several other events happening. And I said, you know, um, the DCD was football game. So they routed several other cars there. And all of the cars that were being routed were guys. So I'm just walking. And I said, I'm going to be quiet. And I said, so you're going to the DCD was game? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, why are you guys going to the game? And that was, and, they, and then another guy chimed in. That's it, plain and simple. It's football. We want to see football. It's football. This is it. This is what we love. They're playing football. We're coming to watch. They didn't say they were coming to see uh, their girlfriend, cousin, sister, niece, nothing. They were coming to watch football. So that let me know that these ladies are doing something right. 
So, Mark, what do you think of the WWCFL with, with Nkishi's point? Do you think that's going to catch because of the quality on the field? And it's a smaller league. It's more competitive, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely think that in the next five years it has the potential to catch on. I just think that, again, it's an issue of just slowly building up that momentum. I know in, in the province of Saskatchewan, the major newspapers actually cover it. They cover the Valkyries and the Rage. So they do take it very seriously. Um, I just think it's a question that once, you know, there's more players involved, and I think once girls especially start getting more exposed to the game, because right now a lot of that support is more family-based, more friend-based, but I think that as it slowly gets that mainstream media attention, people will see it's a quality product. Now, Mark, in your talks with all the players that you've interviewed and all that, uh, Football Canada is a big deal, you know, just like in Australia. I know it's a big deal in the U.S. as well, but uh, it's so much internationally, it's a bigger deal. So, um, you know, Football Canada has very good programs. As far as I know, they started the first female program for coaching. Uh, a while back within the realm and the umbrella. And now, you know, they're getting into that stage where they realize that a lot of the players in the, you know, in the WWCFL from two, from the initial 2010, um, you know, teams and 2013 teams, which were both silver Mm -hmm. medalists. um, They're starting to understand that those players can benefit obviously at all levels of their program in terms of, you know, coaching and in terms of uh, bringing up, the youth level of football, which includes obviously the Manitoba Girls Football League and some of the other leagues that you said they're they're obviously up and running in Canada. So you see the feeder sure. system starting now, and you start to see, uh, uh, you know, the same the same things happening probably in the U.S. but in a, in a little faster format up I think in up in north in Canada, right? Yeah, well, in Western Canada, that feeder system is definitely picking up steam. I know that uh, in Manitoba and in Alberta, it's really changing, and there's really a lot of, a lot more people playing it now. I think that really the issue right now for Canada is that in the greater Toronto area, there's no league and there's really nothing there that's going on. And I think that until that region really starts to develop, until then it's always going to be more of a localized uh, type of interest rather than national. So you're thinking Montreal and Toronto have to be uh, the basis. It's pretty much the metros of, of Canada, right? Pretty much at this point, it'd be New York and Los Angeles yeah. in, in that scope. Yeah, exactly. I know Montreal, they had the Blitz who uh, won an IWFL championship a few years ago, but it's very localized and not a lot of people know about it. And, over the last two years, a lot of their players from that championship team have retired. So it's really hard for them to promote marketable stars because they've got so many new faces. Yeah, I'm surprised that Montreal hasn't gone maybe into the WWCFL instead of the IWFL. I mean, I'm just thinking, I don't know if it's because New York is closer in travel time and everything on the East Coast is closer to them than the West. And I'm assuming it's probably logistics in terms of, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm thinking that's why they haven't, you know. Um, So the Maritime, um, Mark, you've Mm -hmm. dealt with and covered the Maritime. A lot different situation than the WWCFL because, you know, the numbers aren't there. Uh, There's four teams. 
but yeah. it looks like they're going to have a pretty good season. They do have feeder systems in New Brunswick, from what I'm from what I know in the covering Definitely. them. So tell us a little bit about you know the maritime in in terms of for the upcoming season. Well, uh, one of the big stories it's uh, the Halifax Explosion. It's their tenth anniversary. And I know that a few years ago they had losing season after losing season, and some people thought they wouldn't exist anymore. So to be here 10 years later, it's a pretty big deal for them. And I know that the team has championship aspirations. So that's definitely one of those underdog stories that has great potential. Yeah, and the mix there is really you either get a club with – a lot of veterans, returning veterans, or you get a club with completely youth from what I've been told. So each club exactly. is so different because the level of play isn't as equal or, you know, tiered as you want to call it, like in the U.S. leagues or in the west side of Canada. Because you, you basically get, uh, you know, 18-year-olds to 22-year-olds playing again alongside 30- to 40-year-olds. So it's kind of like playing along – I don't want to say playing along your mom or <laughs> in that <laughs> sense. But a lot of times on, the, on certain teams, that's really what the roster looks like. Oh, yeah, wow. I know this. Yeah, the St. John Storm is a lot like that. They've, they've had the same faces year after year, and that chemistry really shows on the field. And I know one element about St. John that's very interesting. Uh, Lisa Harlow is becoming their coach this year, and that's the first female head coach in league history. That's awesome. And Kishi, you got anything else for Mark? Well, I do. Um, and Mark, you and I spoke last year, and um, yes, and you and you mentioned, and I, my question to you back then uh, was about the fact that Canada is so large, and you have these large provinces, but then you also have such rural communities. And I know that you know. And then um, again today, Oscar kind of alluded to that. So I, I don't think I asked this question. Uh, the last time you were on, but how does the CFL, the men's league, how do they get around the um, the distance issue for, I guess, for lack of a, be- a better term, when um, when the men are playing, you know, um, because I'm curious to figure out what is it that maybe the women could do differently to address that issue, you know, in terms of the different um, – provinces and sections so that they can hopefully close that gap that's clearly impacting the productivity of their game. Well, I think it really comes down to dollars and cents. Um, Even though a lot of the teams in the CFL lose money, there's always somebody who's willing to own the team and take that financial risk. And I know too that in the CFL, they do travel by plane, whereas everything in WWCFL is by bus. And Ugh. yeah, and there's no there's nobody with deep pockets willing to take that financial risk yet for the uh, women's league. So everything yeah. right now it's it's really a volunteer basis, and a lot of times they're putting up money as well just to finance the trips. So in that regard, that's that's really what it is. It's a it's a dollars and cents issue. Mm. Okay. And I think that boils well, down to you. the to our point at the beginning. I think it boils down to our point at the beginning with the the NWHL and the CWHL. They've mm-hmm. already found some sort of medium to where the sponsors are covering something. 
Either they're covering yes. their travel expenses or they're covering their facility, um, you know, their facility fees, um, from what mm-hmm. I understand. So, you know, there was, there was a starting point um, from what I read uh, about two months ago when the N- NWHL started. The ownership or the, you know, one league owner, uh, ownership yes. type, uh, their, their main focus and address with sponsorship was that. It was travel fees and obviously arena fees. Whether the players got paid a dime wasn't really in their in you know in their inclination because if somebody can cover your costs for a stadium fee and cover your costs for travel fees, I don't think any player is going to complain about playing for free because you're no, really absolutely. getting the house for free. So I mean that's right. that's a huge lift. That's a huge lift to any any new league. So that's where the you know that's where we're at. I think in women's gridiron we don't have uh, the contribution there yet where somebody truly believes to, you know, maybe, uh, you know, give out the money for travel, because I think the, the rent fields for women's leagues, I don't think it's an issue for them because they understand it. That's something that they have to, you know, obviously afford themselves to play on the field, but the travel issue, that would be a different story. I think that's where they would need the most help in terms of a sponsorship. Like you, like you're talking about Mark an hour travel from, from probably Saskatchewan to Alberta, uh, to Vancouver and in those areas, I mean, that's just, that's way beneficial because, I mean, you're going to be there an hour versus having to drive for six hours or more. Yeah. And especially with the injuries too, because they do the bus rides to and from in the same day. And I know oh, that sure. these, and a lot of these girls, if they're hurt, that four hour bus ride, it'll easily feel like eight. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, especially with beat up, uh, beat up bodies and stuff like that. Um, Troy, you got anything else for Mark? Troy, on you? Know? Uh, I thought oh, he was. I, right? I, got, he must have I got all my, I got all my questions in. I appreciate it. Oh, you got them all? Okay, great. All right, so Mark, um, tell yeah. us a little bit about your blog and uh, tell us a little bit of what, what we can expect in the next coming months. Uh, you got anything lined up in terms of surprises well, for us on Allow Her to Play and and Fourth and Feminine? Well, right now it's just business as usual, but I will mention that I'm also expanding and I'm also contributing to the site Women Talk Sports. And uh, I, recently right, awesome. did an inter- yeah, I recently did an interview with uh, Amanda Ruler, who's with the Atlanta Steam this year in the LFL. And uh, mm-hmm. she used to be a she used to be a track star at the University of Regina, and um, I managed uh, to get an interview with her, and that should be on that site later this week. Awesome. Are you still on Bleacher and uh, obviously on Canada Football Chat, right? Yeah, still on Canada Football Chat. Uh, Bleacher, I haven't been there for a little while, but um, at Canada Football Chat with the season coming up, there's going to be a lot of coverage. And uh, there's no question, too, that uh, with the Montreal Blitz, uh, we'll be paying some attention to them as well during the season. All right. So, um, Nkishi Troy, this is the the person to uh, um, kind of like lock in your Twitter at at MarkStaff100 because that's where the links are going to go for keeping up to date on what's happening in the Canada season. Starting in May 2016, uh, you got the the Western Women's Canadian Football League launches uh, their schedule. And then you also have yes. the Maritime Women's Football League. So uh, later in the show, we will go ahead and give you all the handles to that. 
Uh, Mark, anything we need to know uh, that you're uh, working with besides that uh, on Canada, Canada Football Chat or anything else that we can help you out with spreading the word out on your uh, venues? Uh, no, no, that's uh, everything is good, sir. Business as usual. Awesome. So, Mark, thank you for your time. I will uh, time in with you probably in June, middle June to first July to bring you back and see how the uh, you know the Maritime and the Western Canadian leagues are going right now. Uh, you have oh, uh, Mrs. Mackey's Mrs. Mackey's profile up on uh, this week, so we ended up tweeting that out. So, Steph Mackey. Uh, very, yeah. very exciting, uh, talented individual. And then as uh, Football Canada announces their coordinators again uh, this week, mm-hmm. I do not know at this point if IFAB has got their stuff together because IFAB, I heard, was had some internal uh, issues with the presidency change in Canton last year. And it looks like they haven't even announced, uh, you know, where the venue is going to be for the, um, the IFAB Women's World Championships at this point. So, I mean, we're almost 12 months into this, uh, in June of this year, it would be 12 months to the next championship. So I'm hoping that they're announced that within the next coming months because fundraising for the girls to get to anywhere, you know, and I'm assuming it's going to be Europe somewhere because it's never been held here in the States Probably. or in Canada. So unless they, unless they shock us, originally they wanted to do it in Canada one year. So unless they really shock everybody to come to North America, uh, we'll see. But um, uh, at that point, uh, maybe June or July, we'll get back together. Is that okay? Absolutely. I'd love to. All right, Mark. Thank you very much for your time. I hope you have safe travels out there. We'll keep tabs on you. And then uh, we'll look forward to the stories that are coming out with your uh, insights. Okay. Thank you. All the best, Oscar. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye, Mark. Bye-bye. Bye, Mark. Thank you. You're welcome. See you, Mark. All right, so we're going to have the next uh, huddle guest, and everybody knows her, and we know her, of course, and we just basically named her uh, Captain Crutches, and that's uh, our Captain America, Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics. So, Holly, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? We're going good. I think the intro fits now. Hello. I think the intro fits now until you get back on your feet, as they say, or your two feet, because I know you're on one foot, but you know how that goes. Um, Holly, uh, the uh, the two co-hosts here got a real taste of uh, Women's Gridiron first time live, Odessa Jenkins, Dallas Elite versus Allie Hamlin and the DC Divas. So they got the little chocolate feel of women's football, um, you know, the little treat. And they're both excited. They did a great job on Periscope. Besides uh, their phones freezing, as Troy uh, mentioned to me before. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Troy, the phone froze. Uh, So I thought he was joking at first, but then it was real. The phone did freeze. So it's kind of not cool. But anyways, it worked out. No, because you could just see the Periscope that I did where it was actually grainy. The wind was blowing so hard that it didn't even come into focus. (laughs) So Holly, that would be a really um, the fun game, game, the game against uh, the game against Tacoma, and uh, a fitting name. I think it's probably the best name in women's football, the Trauma. <laughs> so if you're on defense, <laughs> probably the probably the best name you can have. And if you're a badass defense, I would hate to face the Trauma. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's a great great name. Uh, 
I was told by Mrs. Uh, Samuelson, uh, or Miss Samuelson, mm-hmm. if I want to pronounce it right, I was told it was the, probably the worst game in Majestic history <laughs> for a win. So I don't know if you agree uh, with that or not. You, you know, you, they always say a win is a win, and this is definitely the case. <laughs> I, I will say uh, our defense, uh, you know, our defense came to play. And and I've played uh, in games like this where it's hard because uh, as a defense you're holding you're holding your own and then you get off the field and then there's a turnover two plays later and then you're back on on the field again and it, it was kind of like it was kind of like that um, defensively we we did some really good things we fell into the ball well they couldn't get anything on the edges at all. Um, some of our linebackers have really started. I can see them developing, and so that was exciting for me. I think they played really well. Our secondary did well. Um, one of our uh, second-year players, Mike Forston, had a pick six. I don't remember how, how many yards it was on the return, but it had to be at least 50, maybe 60 yards on the return. It was a great play. Um, so our defense was there, and it's improving. Um and offensively, we had a lot of issues. It was one of those games in which we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. We would move the ball, and then there'd be a penalty. We would move the ball, and then turn it over. And it just, not to take anything away from Tacoma, because they did play, you know, fairly well, and they made some plays, but we did not help ourselves at all. And so it was, it was pretty ugly at times, but... You know, the way I'm thinking about it, it, it's like, okay, every team has a moment or two during their season where they face some sort of adversity. And for us, we've had so many injuries and so many different new faces in different positions that there there was always going to be this point that it comes back to bite us. And I think this was that game where we just weren't cohesive and we would have people make plays, you know, we'd have a couple of good runs, but we weren't one cohesive unit. And we had a couple of penalties where we, they just weren't focused and silly things like like false starts, um, delay a game off a, off a, a, a timeout, like just not together, right? And so I think this is that week where we have to kind of regroup and realize, okay, we might have had a really rough offensive game, but this is an opportunity to fix some things without having to lose. So if you're going to have that game, you would rather be on the winning side of it. So I think it's going to be kind of a soul-searching week for us as we go down to Portland this coming weekend offensively to see if we can put that back together. And I think we definitely can. So I'm excited to see that happen. Troy, you got anything for uh, Captain Crutches? Yeah, um, you said so. You felt like the defense they they did their thing out there. What what attributed mainly to their success um, on the defensive side of the ball? They, um, I can tell that like uh, some of the newer linebackers that we have are gelling together. They're they're starting to become uh, a unit, and as a linebacking. Uh, core, you need to be one unit. Wherever the ball goes, you should all be there, you know, flowing one side of the field to another. They're starting to believe in each other, and I can see that. We always have – our secondary has been pretty solid in this. I don't think we've had any real injuries in our secondary from last year, so they're just making plays. On uh, Defensive line is improving too. 
They're getting in the backfield and getting um, pressure. And I think the defense is starting to gel. And I think that's only going to continue to get better. Um, so they're starting to become one unit. It's just the offense isn't quite on, on that same level yet. Hey, um, I wanted to know what your thoughts were if, about the news. I don't know if you've been uh, watching the news as far as the Will Smith. Just wanted to get your take on it, um, you know, with them uh, being killed in New Orleans. You know, anytime anybody is killed like that at any point, it's all, always going to be sad. I understand, um, you know, it – Anything like that is going to be very traumatic for for a team. Um, I know when I first started playing for Corvallis, um, there was a player that they had, I think, a year or two before me that I think a couple of days before their playoff game got in a horse accident and passed away. And I just know when I got to that team, I didn't know who the person was, but we had 33, like, on everything. And I didn't know what that meant, and I and I later found out it was her number, and it was a, for those players on that team. It was a big ordeal, and they kept that number thirty three sacred like the rest of their careers, probably still to this day. And so I can only imagine what that's like for New Orleans, you know, especially having just been down there. Um, I can tell New Orleans as a city is definitely a f- football city, and. I'm sure that they're all hurting and I feel awful and I hope, you know, my heart reaches out to that entire city, his family and everybody involved because that's just heart-wrenching. So I hope that uh, New Orleans can kind of rally around it um, and stick together as a family. Yeah, it's been just just sad all the way around. I mean, either way it goes, either way you look at it, it's just sad all the way around. But, you know, switching gears, uh, back to your team, uh, the Majestics. How do you see going forward? I mean, because you did bring up the – and I thought the same thing, you know, when I heard that it wasn't the prettiest game out there uh, that you guys won. But how do you see your team going forward for the rest of this year? Um, do you see uh, there, there's going to be a lot of room for improvement, but how quickly do you think that the offense will be uh, getting up to speed? Um, I think it's going to be one of those years in which it, you're going to have some ups and, ups and downs, um, especially depending on the matchup of who we're playing, um, because you have a lot of newer players, right? And so they're not – you're putting them in positions they're not used to, and so there's going to be a learning curve. Um, but I think the thing that's going to be uh, uh, fun to watch is I feel like even though it's going to be not as pretty or as easy, I think everybody on this team is, is just um, capable. They're totally capable of getting through it. And I, I guarantee it by the end of the season, they're going to find that cohesiveness. It's just going to take some time. Um, I think sometimes in women's football, we take for granted, like you look at the Chicago's or the Pittsburgh's and the, you know, the Falcons and all those teams those teams have cores that are together for a while usually, or they have a system in which they build people up. And if you take one of those teams and you put as many injuries as we've had in those key positions, any team would struggle. So I think it's not a matter of are you going to struggle. It's a matter of are you going to struggle and still prevail. 
And I think that um, the psychological makeup of this team is strong enough that we can do that. Um, it's not going to be easy. I mean, our conference is also, or our division, excuse me, is also improving. So it's not going, it wasn't going to be as easy as last, not like it was easy last year, but it was going to be more difficult no matter what. Um, and I'm very confident in my team that we can pull this through. Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Keishi, you have anything? No, I just wanted to – well, actually, yes. I actually had the awesome pleasure of interviewing Callie um, for the Periscope. And, you know, she's injured right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I asked her, you know, what is she looking forward to the most and what is it that she's missing the most? And she said something, uh, you know, really similar, Holly, to what you have said is that not only does she miss being on the field, but she misses being out there with her family. You know, she misses being out there with the team. And, you know, she said any other day she might have been on the sideline with them. (laughs) (laughs) But Saturday was just so awful. She said, I don't think I mind, you know, the booth. But she said it really makes a difference. So having already had now a game under your belt and, you know, and and not to make you feel worse or, you know, whatever about the injury, but are you connecting, you know, with, um, with Callie's sentiment, you know, in terms of you're both injured, you're both critical, you know, to the team and, and, and you guys are both, you know, definitely leaders on your team. So can you connect to Callie's sentiment in terms of what it means to be out there, you know, in the huddle with your, um, with your teammates? Yes, absolutely. Like 110%. And I, it kind of, I was actually at the camp when Kelly got injured and everybody at the camp respects Callie. So when she went down, it was, it was pretty quiet because everybody knows that she means to not only uh, her team, but also the sport. She's been around right. for a while and she's had a great career. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, okay. So this weekend <laughs> I had a Fitbit on, on the sidelines and I uh-huh. crutched three and a half miles on the sideline. <laughs> and, and so for me, like, I, you know, before each game, you have that, like, nervous energy. And like I said last week, I, I don't know what to do with it. So I just, like, I try to be as connected to my team as I can. It's been kind of difficult because I haven't been able to go to everything. Uh, you know, I could normally, like, every uh, every practice but I've done my best to try to keep connected. So I, I'm always talking to somebody. I'm always trying to find somebody to encourage or, you know, uh, tell them what I see. Um, but I will tell you, it's very difficult, especially in a game like on Saturday when uh-huh. I was like, oh, I just want to go and play. And there was at one point, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not sure if Rebecca um, uh, Samuelson had mentioned this, but this had to be the most penalized game I've ever been a part of, like even like oh, wow. on the sideline. And it wasn't just us. Like they, they flagged Tacoma a lot too. I don't even know how many penalties there were, but it was getting kind of ridiculous. And so um, I remember I was on the sideline and there was a tackle on a quarterback that was kind of on the borderline. It could have been a horse collar, but, you know, that's my quarterback, so I'm going to be protective no matter what it is. And I got really excited. I was, like, <laughs> about ready to come on the field. And one of my coaches was like, Holly, 
no. <laughs> and so I had to be like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, because you were ready to it, get out there. I was ready to go out there and protect my quarterback. But um, it, it's it's hard because that is your family. And so you're protective of them. I mean, the very nature of football is very physical. And, and I've played sports my whole life, and I've never had a bond with my teammates in other sports like I do in football. It's because you literally need everybody. You can't have a Kobe that just takes over the game. Um, if you have an Adrian Peterson and nobody blocks, I don't care how good he is, you're not moving the ball because it's one mm-hmm. on 11. You need every single person, and because of the nature of the game, you need each other and you become family. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that on um, on Saturday too. And I, um, you know, and I'm really glad you said that about just the nature of the game because it really and truly, at some points, seemed like. And again, watching it live on the sideline, totally different from watching it on YouTube. But it, at some points, it seemed like when they say a well-oiled machine especially mm-hmm. with some of the defensive stops um, in the first half that the D.C. Divas were putting up on the Dallas Elite, they were truly working in unison. I mean, it didn't matter which direction they went. It was like they were just one mind, one body, and mm-hmm. they weren't getting through. Now, I don't know what happened to change in the second half, but that's why I said, well, considering that they were up 13 nothing, I said, well, I could hear stuff coming from the D.C. side, so I said, okay, I'm going to go back over there on this side. I want to see what they're doing differently, mm-hmm. you know, uh, after the second half to see how they're going to adjust, what kind of changes they're going, they're going to make. To say hungry is an understatement. You could literally, if you could feel hunger from someone mm-hmm. else, the way they were talking to each other, the way they were motivating each other, of course, words that we cannot repeat on the air, (laughs) you know. And can I just say that what I also was surprised to see was the same level of intensity and support from their staff, from the coaches to the players in the booth to um, the sideline staff. Everyone was 100% committed to those ladies on that field. And that was an amazing energy to behold. And another thing, Oscar, and we didn't mention this earlier, but um, the Washington Nationals in support of the D.C. Divas, for those who don't know, the Washington Nationals are D.C.'s um, Major League Baseball team, and they have – not one mascot, but they actually have a new one now too. But they have what's known as the racing presidents. And so the presidents are the mascots for the Washington Nationals, you know, D.C. presidents. And they sent out one of the mascots, they sent out Woodrow Wilson to be there in support. So, again, it's showing that there's respect for the product that's on the field when the National Major League Baseball team sends one of their representatives out in support of what these ladies are doing. I thought I was that, your new boyfriend, awesome. but I was trying to figure it out. 
Now, I like him tall. I really like him tall. Let me be very clear. I love a tall man. I am 5'8", so if you are 6 feet to 6'5", I will be a happy woman. But his head is too big. He has glasses, so he was kind of not your type. I don't. Oh, think. I like him. Uh, like yeah. smart. No, 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 no. I like him smart. No. I like him smart. <laughs> I like him smart, but his head is too big. <laughs> but that's a good so point. It's a good door. point you brought up. It's a good point you brought up. It's 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 the fact that they're recognizing for them to even contribute something like that, you know, a prop or anything like that. That's great. Now I'm glad that you mentioned that 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 uh, game because I haven't had a chance to I, I saw the score but I haven't had a chance to see any, any of the film but I know a lot of the players on both sides and I respect both teams a lot and so I'm kind of sad I didn't get to see it live but uh, uh, I mean that's the thing that people don't realize about the sport of football is you take two teams that are equal in talent equal in um, in coaching. And the X factor is always the chemistry. It, it it really is. It's an invisible thing in football, but it means so much. I have seen teams that are, you know, on that level of talent, and the minute something goes sideways, they break down and just destroy themselves. And so if you have that bond, it means everything because you stop playing for yourself and you play for the person next to you and you become so much stronger as a unit than you are as individuals. And it, it really is uh, amazing to watch and be a part of. Yeah. And, and you have to have, like you said, uh, the unity part. I mean, uh, Troy knows he's a linebacker. If you, if you don't have the beast left to right uh, as one unit to kill, you're not killing. You're killing yourself, basically. That's usually the the theory on the defensive side of the ball. If you're not covering, if you're not, you know, uh, moving left to right, and you're not uh, zoning very well, uh, you do get murdered, you know, with the with the plays and stuff. Oh, speaking of murdering, can I just say, um, and I'm glad you brought that up, Oscar. Speaking of murdering. One of the reasons why the Dallas Elite was able to put up some of the numbers that they put up. That offensive line in the second half, they were just opening up the hole like crazy. And their run game was ridiculous. And they were able to take advantage of the weather, which truthfully I thought was going to be a factor. You know how we always talk about the big games? Oh, you know, like with Peyton. Oh, can he handle the weather? Oh, he's a dome player. Oh, he's a this. You know, you've got Dallas coming from warm weather. And I actually had – um one of my college classmates was in town with me that weekend and she actually lives in Dallas. And so, you know, she was complaining the whole weekend about how cold it was. So the weather should have been a factor and a help on the side of the divas, but Dallas was able to use that to their advantage and they really opened up their run game. And when I say that offensive line, in the second um, half um, of that game, came out and was just totally opening up the gap. Odessa was just getting through like crazy. Um, the the juke moves were like, and they were little. And I thought that got me too because I'm like, they're not big. The running the running backs, they're not big bowling balls. But what they had was crazy speed and agility. Oh, yeah, yeah it's very difficult to catch Odessa. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Hi. I said it's difficult to to catch Odessa. I mean, I haven't really played. Uh, we I've never been on a team that we've played, you know, face to face, like a whole entire game. But I've been at camps and stuff with her, and I, I've uh, faced her and, and tackled her a couple times. And it is not easy. <laughs> she is fast. Yeah, she's oh a speedster God, for sure. Fast. She is. And, and Tiffany, you can't body. take anything away from Tiffany Hill, too. Tiffany Hill's pretty uh, Oh, no, she's solid. She's a really good running back. You saw Tiffany Hill live, right, in Kishi? Man, sometimes I forgot that I was supposed to be watching as, you know, because you're so wrapped up into the game. And that's what I mean about that heart and soul and what I was really enjoying was just seeing some of the fundamentals and once you're able to play solid fundamental football the rest of it comes easily and those ladies just were amazing all the way around and yeah I saw a couple girls get run over so yeah Tiffany she was running some people over it was it was just just solid football so I will tell you what you saw on that day was not the Dallas Cowboys, just to say. I'm just saying. Oh, see. Well, considering that we now have Alfred Morris, I'm sure we'll do a lot more of that, that good old-fashioned downhill running. Uh, I, I say yeah. I take the the lead over, over the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> That's because uh, I'm a 49ers fan also. I know, I know. <laughs> we give her hell all the time. Everyone it's America's team in her eyes. It's America's team in her eyes, but like Troy says, it's really not because the national, the 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 Washington Redskins are in the national in the nation's capital, so that's where America is. Exactly. Yeah, that's nice. But when your Forbes list looks like my Forbes list, let's have a conversation. Well, actually, not ours. When 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 Dan Snyder's Forbes list. <laughs> And ranking looks like Jerry Jones, but oh, um, oh yeah. So, but it, it really, like I said, it really truly. And there was, and I can't remember her name right now. There was a wide receiver on the DC Alberta Britson. Yes. Oh my God, she's got some hands on her. Number I twenty-four. Mean, that woman is. Are you talking deep. about uh, Dallas or DC? No, for the DC Divas. Are you talking about uh, Ashley? Yeah. What? Say, tell me the, say the name again. I think I think it's. A, are you talking about Ashley? What's if I? It, Troy, I do you remember who I'm talking Ashley. about? They just kept calling her name over and over. I mean, she just oh, was yeah. moving was, the chains. Yeah, she was balling. I mean, she 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 was uh, especially in the first half. I mean, they were really chugging the ball. In the second half, they kind of started to throw the ball a little bit more to catch up. But yeah, she was balling the whole game. Man, she, I mean, her hands were just crazy. And I'm telling you, and I said, I don't know how they're doing it because, you know, my hands were frozen. I couldn't wait for halftime to run upstairs to the booth, you know. You're, and you're, talking, mean, about, and they were, uh, you're talking about Wissonette, uh, right? Ashley Wissonette. She's she's really talented. That, she's really. I think that might be really who it was. Man, uh, man was, uh, she, was she was serious. She was number 12. Yes. Yeah, Ashley, uh, what's name? That's her name. Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't have my roster in front of me right now. All I know is that the way she was moving across the field, I mean, it's like it did not matter. She was always open in the gap. 
I mean, the plays that they were running for her to get her open, perfect. Some serious slot rant. I mean, slot rant. Uh, slot routes, slant routes. Sorry, can't talk English. I can't talk tonight. Some serious. Whatever. I'm tired. It's not going to come out. I, otherwise, I'll just sound silly. But I really and truly was impressed. And you know what else they did that I really liked too especially in the first half for the Divas. And like and Troy said, I think they got worn down toward the end, but they really played to their players' strengths. And I, you know, and, and when players were not moving the chains and were not putting their all out there, they were getting yanked. Oh, she doesn't have the juice? Get her out. Get. Her. I mean, you could hear them on the sideline, you know, the coaches and, and the and, – and, it was just, it was just a beauty. It was just a thing of beauty. That's all I have. It was just, it was just a thing. Hey of Troy, beauty. Um, you got to, you got to see Kenjetta live. What do you think, Kenjetta Grisby? Um, what, what, what position did she play? Sorry about that. She was the running, she was the running back. Kenjetta, oh, number twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, for twenty nine. Yeah. For That's who you I was what, talking man? about. That's so, who I was talking about, Kenjetta Grisby. Oh my God, that's who I was. Talking about. She's really good too. She is a monster, monster, bad, bad player. Cannot wait to yeah. watch her again. Yeah, she's, now, there, uh, she's very talented. A, there is some really good players on both sides of that game. Yeah, you get to see her live. every uh, The last couple of seasons, she has been up there in MVP-type caliber status, so – uh, I mean, you got you got an opportunity to. I mean, like uh, Holly was saying earlier, very cohesive unit. So when you have that uh, on both sides of the ball, you're you're going to see good football. So, I mean, one of the things that I liked about her is that she she didn't mess around with hitting the hole. I mean, she hit the hole right when she was supposed to. Um, when she was running counter plays, she waited for a guard to pull in front of her, and then she hit the hole. Um, they ran her in a couple of toss sweeps, and she got the edge faster than I thought she was going to get. I mean, I'm, it's like at one point I'm sitting there like, all right, is she going to get the edge? Oh, she already got the edge. All right, so she's coming around the corner already, and she would not hesitate to lower her shoulder. So, yeah, I was – honestly, man, I was definitely impressed with, her, with the way they, they all played out there. I mean, I just – I was just impressed with the overall crystals. You know, this is my first women's game. So I'm like, okay – I tried to go into it, you know, on the way up there. I said, don't have any expectations. Just, you know, let it flow to you. You know, don't, you know, don't have any expectation as far as, like, uh, what you're going to see. But what I saw up there was a lot of fundamentals. I mean, you saw footwork. You saw cutting ability. You saw preciseness. I mean, both quarterbacks were throwing the ball extremely well, especially with the weather out there like that. I mean, I, I was I was impressed, and they didn't they didn't scale back. I mean, with the wind is blowing as hard as it was, um, they still threw the ball deep. They still threw slants. They they did they had they had everything. You know, it looked like their whole playbook was out there. So I was definitely impressed all the way with. Them. Yeah, and and uh, Holly, you you've already like you talked about earlier. Uh, most of these players, a lot of the, on the roster, on both sides of the roster, are Team USA caliber players. So you know that they obviously have, you know, the higher potential of elite athlete. In other words, you're, you're playing on both sides of the ball. And and, and uh, we have to be forewarned because uh, Odessa, before this game came up, when we interviewed her, uh, I know you recall that, Troy, 
Uh, she wasn't going there to lose. <laughs> so uh, yep. they they that put the burners on in the second half. Yeah, that was her exact words when she. I mean, she got the rock in the fourth quarter, man, and she was gone. I mean, I, I think she ran. It was a sixty-yard touchdown. She ran. I mean, she she got the ball. There was no one that was there. I mean, she hit that hole and it was over. I mean, at that point, you start to see, um, uh, you know, and I, Holly can attest to this. You know, when you start to see teams uh, break those long runs, that's when you're starting to see that that defense is starting to wear down. They're starting to get tired, and they were on the field a long time in that first half. And it was more the same in the second half. I mean, in case you remember, most of the time where uh, D.C. got their stops was actually in the red zone. I mean, they had more red zone stops than I've seen in any game. I think they had – I think D.C. stopped them in the red zone maybe four Four times. Four times. Yep. Yeah. Four times in in one half. That's crazy. And and, and Dallas scored 40 points. So, I mean, that should tell you how many times they had the ball. So, I mean, that defense definitely had to be tired after a while. Now, uh, no, I mean, like, go, if you, you – uh, sorry. Go ahead, Holly. No, go I ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, similar to what I was saying uh, about our game, like, if it, as a defense, uh, as you get deeper in a game like that, like, it, it, you got to keep together, and you that's why the cohesiveness is, is so important because when you start to get – mentally and physically tired as an individual, that's when being a cohesive unit um, really pushes you forward because when you know that you can trust the person next to you, you know you can get through that situation. Whether uh, And then if you don't have that, then you're feeling like, okay, I'm kind of on my own, and it's kind of a lonely feeling. And if you have 11 individuals doing that together, not trusting each other, then that's when the defense really breaks down. Oh, there was trust. And there was definitely trust <laughs> among both sides. Among both sides. And, I, you know, those ladies really and truly had each other's back. And that's what the one player from the league said, I got you. I got you. You just do what you do. I got you. You just run that ball. I mean, I thought I was listening to Michael Irvin in my ear. I mean, they're just – that passion and that intensity, it just, that's all they say. We got this. Just one more half. That's it. This is our game. Our game. We ain't going home. We ain't going home. This is it. I mean, that was, li- I mean, just, and it was almost like they were chanting that in unison. I was like, wow. I say, yeah, I'm coming back. <laughs> that's now, awesome. you guys know, you guys know that, you know, the wind and everything and the elements, it happens uh, this whole weekend, week one and week two. Um, it, it, I guess it happens in the East Coast. In the East Coast, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh uh, had some snow as well, and there was a, a couple more places that had a little bit of snow as well. So uh, the first weekend of the WFA saw a little bit of Mother Nature kind of, you know, taking over in some places, especially on the East Coast. So that was kind of interesting to see and exciting to see too. So, um, Holly, uh, d- uh, any surprises so far in week two? I know it's early, but not, you know, for, for overall blanket in the league. Any surprises? Uh, you would assume, uh, you know, obviously when we talked to Neil, he said, you know, and as Troy has alluded before, uh, you know, and Odessa confirmed, <laughs> Dallas uh, is hungry for their title. Uh, I really, I truly believe the two games, and they're going to Arlington uh, to face the impact. I feel sorry for the impact right now 
<laughs> I just do. Um, I don't know if that's going to be 102 to zero or something. Cause the, you know, the way they, the way they, if you see them on video, uh, on a, on a film aspect of it, um, I would have to say our moniker fits the elite right now. No joke. <laughs> no joke. Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, you know, when so I was they're down hungry. In, um, they are very hungry. I, I, I remember when I was down in LA for the all American game and we we're staying at the same hotel that, uh, every, you know, everybody was pretty much staying at the same hotel, but I, I ran into the team and they were getting ready to go, I think to the field for practice. And you can feel the, I felt it with DC as well. That's why they're both at that level. But Dallas is hungry. I mean, I, I could see that they're hungry going into that game, but I think sometimes in sports and in life, when you lose, it sometimes it sucks, of course. But sometimes what it does is it teaches you how to win, because you get to that point and you don't you you got there, but sometimes once you lose, you're like, okay, well now I know how to get there and I know what it takes to win. So they're 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 kicking it up even a, a notch further than than last year because they're they're coming, and um, and so I think that's what you're seeing is is a team that loses in the championship game they have a choice they can either fold and try to rebuild, or they can they can bring it even harder and they've chosen the latter. Um, so yeah, I do feel <laughs> I do feel bad for Arlington. Um, I don't know if there's actually any large surprises. I will say in our division. Um, the Southern Oregon Lady Renegades, which is kind of a mouthful to say, they've been holding pretty tough considering they're a brand-new team. So I'm kind of curious to see what they're like in person. Um, I mean, the Shockwave are, are are doing well. They're they're competitive like we thought they would be. Uh, I'm looking at the scores right now. Uh, Central Cal uh, beat Pacific. Um, that's not a huge surprise. Um, I think you have to look at the Trojans overall, as a surprise. Uh, if I had to choose somebody, because, it would be the Trojans as a surprise this year. Uh, the the uh, mm-hmm. Academia Lidico surprise. Um, so far, Alabama Fire. Oh, yeah, that's a solid one. Uh, you know what I mean? So there's a couple uh, because the the staple the staple elite teams. Uh, we're looking at Renegades mm-hmm. taking care of you know business against Cleveland. We had uh, the surprise mm-hmm. team, I think, in all of football right now in, in two weeks in is probably Philadelphia. They put up almost 25 yeah, points against the you, Renegades the first week. So, You know, I, I kind of had a feeling about them going into this season um, because I know a couple of their players. And, you know, just interacting with those players, I'm like, you know, they they have they they, they know what they're doing and they have good heads on their shoulders. So if they take that back with them to their team, I can I can tell that, that Philly is hungry too. Um, so I I definitely can see them being a playoff team. Um, now the biggest, the, the, biggest East, thing, the biggest thing we got to talk about is we have to give credit uh, four touchdowns this week for uh, Tara Catoni out of the Philadelphia Passions. So I mean sh- their running game is strong. Two touchdowns in the first week. Um, you know, they, we knew that they were, I mean, they're the two time defending IWFL champs coming into the WFA mm-hmm. once again. So we know, uh, that they're going to be tough to beat, um, based on their division schedule. Um, I mean, they're in the mix for a playoff 
at this point. They play pretty tough. I mean, uh, I don't know. A pa- passion to me uh, has to, um, you know, get to that level, and then you're going to see what I call the Elite Eight at the in the end. You know, the, the four right. West Coast teams versus the four East Coast teams. Uh, Central Cal, no surprise, as, as you pointed out before, no surprise there. I mean, they, they always play good ball out there. Uh, Aspen Marshall, um, you know, um, Chantel Wiggins, um, you got uh, Destiny Jarboneau out there. I mean, just, they're just, they, they've always had a very good offensive. And on top of that, you know, a, a, a good defense as well. So that's like their, their nutshell right there. But Sin City Trojans, I don't know a lot about, but I think those were from the um, uh, from Las Vegas Showgirls. So I'm assuming a lot of those players are probably playing on Sin City because they, they're, they're playing pretty good ball so far in, in, in two weeks in. All right. Um, I think uh, – so you had the showgirls, and then you had uh, the devils last year, and I think you, some of those girls have filtered into the to the Trojans. Um, and so, you know, I think they'll be a, a solid team. We won't really know until they're, they're tested a little bit more, I think. Um, uh, meeting a lot of the Pittsburgh Passion players in – New Orleans, I got the impression that they are um, a really, really solid franchise in that they they build from the ground up. They have a solid foundation. They seem to be a team that they have strong leadership and and veterans, and then they build their their rookie class and their their newer people up alongside them. They don't seem to have a lot of uh, turnover that women's football normally does. They seem to stick together well, which is why you're probably seeing them have such a great history is because they keep it together, which is really difficult in women's football because we all have lives and people move on and do other things. So that that's impressive about um, Pittsburgh to me. And so I think they're probably not going to go anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> so, Holly, we go to week three. Uh, give us your top three. Uh, my top three are going to be Divas, uh, Renegades, if you want to see a real clash of high-caliber football. Um, I was going to choose, you know, I'm debating at this point, uh, Inferno, Dixie Blues. Inferno's on fire this year as well. Um, I, I I mean, at this point, um, God, it's just, it's uh, Majestic's Portland would probably be in my top three this, this coming weeks, uh, given the, the War Angels are off. I think, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, uh, I'm also curious about the Philly-Richmond game, but I think those other three are really solid. Obviously, D.C. and Boston um, is going to be a solid game. They always play each other tough. Um, And, I mean, we have a long history with with the shockwave, um, so it's it's going to be a battle there. Um, We'll go through the rest of the games. I think those would be my picks too, and then to throw in the Philly and Richmond game. Yeah, I think that would be the surprise. I am really uh, excited to see what Philadelphia will do this week. If they can, if they can go two and one in three weeks out, then to your point, uh, it looks like they're going to have a they're going to be you know very good season in terms of in the being in the mix. Um, Holly, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome back next Tuesday if you want, so we can talk more majestics in terms of on the road right. to the playoffs. And so uh, Nkishi and Troy had, the, like I said, a first little bite of uh, women's gridiron. I, I was just very happy that they got to see it live 
and uh, wh- where else can they see it live but in their own background? So it's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troy probably, yeah, we got lucky. Uh, you know, yeah. So it's it's exciting, I'm, and so um, I'm looking forward to seeing if I can build up some funds here in the next uh, 12 months so that I can start, uh, as Kinkishi had said initially when we talked initially, start traveling around and kind of just doing the stuff that we need to do. But uh, it's forthcoming, so everything takes a little bit of time. Um, but thank you for your, your insights, your uh, uh, predictions, and we'll look forward to next week and see how that works out. I'm thinking uh, Boston will edge D.C., in my point of view, <laughs> and Inferno will, will move on again. So, but uh, that's that's my thing, and I'm rooting to see if, uh, as uh, your teammate Rebecca said, let's see if we can patch ourselves up and put a good fight against uh, the fighting shockwave. See, we need, so we'll see, we, need we need, um, you know what? Though we need Holly to periscope a game for us, since she's on the West Coast. You know, I was thinking about doing that. Um, this this great game, I was wanting to do let's it last do it. game, and then I I totally forgot about it. <laughs> Well, well it. it'll help get... give us it'll help give us some variety since we're here and you're there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that way we can have access to some of the other games that we normally don't have access to. Just That'll don't mind great. like if if um I might have to like have other people film for me because I'll be crutching a lot. <laughs> but I'll crutch probably right. I'll probably crutch around and then like stop for a bit and film and so you, I'll, I'll get some bits and pieces in there. The only I think the, the only best, interesting part is that we don't have the five second delay. Look, look, the only thing we right. can't do, and I had to, I, my God, can I just say I was starting to, and I had to stop, and then I was starting up. Okay, I can't. Oh, on that, mm, okay, I can't block that. Oh wow, did they? Wow, mm, okay. So yeah, <laughs> there, there's no five second delay with Periscope. So a lot of stuff I just that's had to stop. But it was, but that's okay though, because guess what? That just shows you know, the heart and the passion of these athletes and their coaches. So it was okay right. with me. All right. All Perfect. right, yeah, I'll definitely do that. Awesome. So we'll just, you know, you link it on your Periscope, and then we'll just, like, uh, share it everywhere. So that's actually that's great press for everybody, too. So so uh, looking forward to maybe a, a tidbit, a couple of interviews on both sides of the sidelines or something like that, uh, maybe the key, the key MVPs of the game. That's always my best thing is just f- focus on the players that obviously, you know, played well so that we can get their faces out there. It's usually nice to have just a couple minutes with them, you know. Um, so, Holly, thank you. Look forward to this weekend. Uh, let's hope the Majestics, you know, muster up and clean get cleaned up against Portland because I know they are probably hungry as well. And so uh, yeah. coming off of a 29-8 to uh, win against the Lady Renegades. So I'm, I'm assuming they're looking for another win. So, um Thank you, and I hope you're uh, healing up well, and we'll catch you next Tuesday, um, same time, uh, if you can, and then we'll go from there. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks, Holly. Thanks, Holly. Uh, Thanks, Holly. So that's Holly. uh, So awesome. So we'll just just get East Coast, West Coast feel. Um, I'm very excited that you guys did a great job on the Periscope. Uh, First time out, everything, you know, gets out there and then we just get better from there so that's that's how the key is um so i I don't know if the next game is the next game and i know they're on the road this week so the next game is what two weeks from now on the 23rd i think i think so yeah everybody i I think think it's the 23rd yeah 
So um, let's go into the uh, recap, uh, Troy. Let's go to uh, the women's recaps for the week. Um, just to let you guys know, check out our new chalk line designs. You can use the Shop Now tab on Facebook or I'll link it on Twitter. Uh, any chalk T-shirt design uh, goes three dollars goes to the Gridiron um, Australia Outback Women's Team and the No Joke Football supporters that we have. So check it out at zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauty. So Troy, uh, let's go to uh, Gridiron Australia, Gridiron Victoria. Uh, we didn't get to do last week's. Uh, action, but let's go ahead and start in week seven first, and then we move on to the the current week, which is this past weekend. Okay, well, in Gridiron Victoria, week seven featured the rematch of the 2015 Vic Bowl, uh, Northern Lady Raiders uh, versus the Geelong Bucks. Now, the Raiders were upset last season in the final after an undefeated regular season. Uh, the Bucks beat the Raiders in the Vic Bowl. A different story this time around, however, as the Raiders shut out the Bucks 44 to nothing to remain undefeated at four and up. Now, the Bucks are all three and one, and they're in a three-way tie right now with Melton Bulls and the Croydon uh, Rangers. The surprising new team, uh, speaking of them, was the Melton Wolves. Uh, they won 42-20 to in uh, Week 7 versus the uh, Packingham Silverbacks in Week 8. Now, uh, they'll face the battered and injury-prone champion Geelong uh, Bucks. Uh, the battle of, of winless squads between Melbourne Chargers and the Borough Miners Saw the Chargers win 44 to 20, and earned their first win in the 2016 season. So congratulations to them. Uh, the Chargers celebration will be short as they face the Croydon Rangers and quarterback Vanessa Roman and Bliss Love. Uh, the Rangers currently second in their they're second in their division in a three-way tie. Um, the ch- week eight, the Chargers surprised the Croydon Rangers with back-to-back uh, wins in their history of 26 to six with the Chargers D holding on, and the Melton Wolves defeated the depleted Buck squad 38-24, to and the Wolves move into a playoff spot. Plus, the Northern Lady Raiders, uh, Raiders rolled uh, 64 to nothing versus the lowly Berwick Miners, who continue their struggle in 2016. Now, right now, the playoff picture looks like this. The Raiders are 4-0. Uh, the Rangers are 3-1. The Wolves are 3-1. The Bucks are 3-1 all battling for the Vic Bowl berth. Now, last week of the regular season, the last week of the regular season, uh, Geelong versus Croydon, a battle for second place, plus the Wolves faced the undefeated Raiders. Now, you can catch all of the game recaps at our league site, uh, gridironvictoria.com.au, and you can also visit the Women's Gridiron League of Australia on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter, at Women's Gridiron, for the latest news on the Australia season. And Keisha, you want to take North America? I got it. So, in North America, the Utah Girls Football League season is on. To get the latest updates for them, go to www.utahgirlstackle.com. And you can also visit them on their Facebook page at Utah Girls Tackle Football League. Plus, you can always follow them on social media on Twitter at Utah Girls Tackle. Now, in week two this weekend, we'll post the scores and we'll have the updates soon. Also, a reminder about the Canadian women's season, as we um, spoke earlier today with our fabulous guest, it is almost here, ladies and gentlemen. So, let's get cracking. If you want to find out what's happening, you can follow them on Twitter at www.cfl, and you can also follow them at 
MWFLF Football on Twitter. And for the website links for schedule and ticket information, the league's kickoff in May 2016. Again, that's all the information about the Canadian women's season. Also, you can visit them on Facebook at Western Women's Canadian Football League, or you can visit them on their website, www.wwcfl.ca for Canada. Again, that's Western Women's Canadian Football League, www.cfl. I'm sorry, www.wwcfl.ca. And for the Maritime Women's Football League on Facebook, you can follow them or visit their website at mwfl.pointstreaksites.com. Again, that's http backslash mwfl.pointstreaksites.com. And the Sugar and Spice Football League season kicks off also in May. And you can check out their complete schedule and season ticket information at www sugarandspicefootball.com. Oscar, take it away with the WFA. So in the WFA, as we talked to Holly earlier, uh, week one, uh, week two key games, in the week one it was a snowstorm in Toledo, as we talked about, the two-time IWFL champion Pittsburgh Passion returned to the WFA with a uh, good win, 28-0. Pittsburgh with the win makes it 23 in a row uh, wins since 2014. They will be on the road again this week. They were against Columbus, and they won against Columbus as well. So 24 uh, wins in a row since 2014. So I don't know how you equate that, but that's pretty good football. <laughs> 24 uh, you know, wins in a row uh, without a loss since their last two seasons. So that's very impressive. Uh, Boston Renegades start their new era with a 40-25 to victory over a solid competitive Philly Phantoms team uh, that we talked about earlier as well. The Renegades behind Adrian Smith uh, will travel to Cleveland, which this week they won. They beat the, uh, uh, Cleveland as well to face the Fusion. Cleveland was shut out 20-0 by the Indy Crush. The Elite uh, win big on the road. That was their first uh, week one, and we're talking about last week because we didn't get to do the recap. 58-0 against Houston, and obviously 40-19 to this week against the Divas. The Elite offense, uh, like I said, very explosive. Um, they took care of business, obviously, in D.C., and it's, uh, you know, credit to them. They're pretty top-notch. Uh, week two looked uh, pretty impressive this weekend. So if you need to go through the recap of week two games, uh, get all the scores and highlights at WFAFootball.com, WFAFootball.com, or you can follow them on Twitter at WFAFootball. Um, so that's all the scores in the rundown. So you can go there as well. Uh, so, Troy, let's take the IWFL weekend kickoff. All right, the key games uh, to watch this weekend and week two, um, uh, there were the Utah Falcons. Uh, they beat the Phoenix Phantoms uh, 72 to nothing. Baltimore Nighthawks, they lost to the Carolina Phoenix 50 to 18. Uh, the Montreal Blitz, they lost to the New York Sharks 26 to 21. Madison Blaze beat the Detroit Pride uh, 28 to 0. Uh, the Carson Bobcats upended the Sacramento uh, Sacramento team, uh, thirty to six, and the Woodland Wildcats beat the Houston Energy forty to ten. And week three matchups in the schedule. Follow our Facebook page, and for key matchups on Twitter, you can follow us. Uh, you can also follow at IWFL, or you can visit IWFLSports.com for the latest updates and scores. 
Catch the latest WFA Nation series, talking women's gridiron topics, and how to improve the sport as a whole. This weekend, this past week, lots of players uh, interviewed, like Taylor Hayes of the St. Louis Slam. Uh, so we want to get more interviews like that. Uh, visit www.wfanation.com and our Facebook page, Gridiron Beauties, for the link. You can also go to GR Quindam and check out all the amazing stories of the talented young ladies playing no-joke football. Don't forget to use the hashtag. Featured, and we'll also feature some stories on women's football. Uh, Oscar, you want to take Mexico? So in Mexico, uh, they had their first professional men's professional team uh, league uh, Super Bowl. So they call it the Mexico Bowl, the uh, professional league LFAA Mexico. So in conjunction with the uh, – the doubleheader, there was a doubleheader for FXL. So female extreme Latino action in week six. The Heartbreakers edged uh, Amazonas 22-18 to 18 in a tough defensive battle. Heartbreakers are coming off a week one loss to the Jaguars and now will face the Jaguars once again in week seven. Uh, Am- uh, Amazonas remain winless at 0-3 and their next match doesn't get easier as they face the Beats this weekend. And this weekend's games are all on our Facebook page for the latest updates. Uh, and highlights of the LFA Mexico Bowl double uh, header weekend uh, with the FXL. So visit uh, their page as well at FXL on tw- on Facebook. You can go to Twitter and uh, add Beat for their uh, link on their one team that they have. So, uh, Troy, you want to take Legends? Sure. The Seattle Mists defeated the Austin Acoustic 44-8 behind K.K. Matheny, wide receiver Jessica Hopkins, and a re- return of 2014 MVP. Uh, Sage Steinmetz at the Showwear Center. And the game will be broadcast regionally via Root Sports uh, Northwest on April 15, 2016 and via YouTube at the Legends Football League channel. Thanks to all the LFL fans that sent, that, uh, sent the leaks. Um, uh, the links were live and we definitely appreciate that. Uh, this weekend in Omaha, the debut of the new Look Heart and the expansion New England Liberty Saturday night. We'll make sure to check that game out. And also, the LFL announces the return of its season, uh, featured the story titled uh, "The Beginning," which features on uh, which features the acoustic versus the mess the mess season opener. And you can catch more details at www.lflus.com. Oscar. All right. So, a reminder: visit our Zazzle shop, zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. And we're doing the campaign for the Great Iron Australia girls all year long for 12 months. Uh, $3, a $3 donation for any chalk line T-shirt that you get uh, on the site. So order your chalk, no joke, tees, and help out the Great uh, Iron Australia girls. Follow us on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty and our Facebook page, Great Iron Beauties, for the number one source covering women's tackle football 24-7. Use our hashtag, no joke football. Send us. Uh, some videos, some pics to share so we can share them to everybody on your game day activity. Uh, anything that you you can share with us from any league, we're more than happy to take that. So share and send some video, but especially with all the apps that are out there, you know, Periscope, there's Instagram, just however you can send the video, just do it. You know, even if it's on a Vine, we'd appreciate that. Um, so check it out. Use the hashtag NoJokeFootball. Um, don't forget to go like us on Instagram and use Hashtag no joke football in your post to get the buzz going. And our Instagram post this week was obviously uh, Danica Brace of the Seattle Miss uh, having the big win in Seattle at the Shower Center. So a reminder, 
Uh, make sure that you check out the amazing and talented women playing American football globally by following us on Twitter or on Facebook. So, Troy, uh, let's send us off in a good light. Uh, we had a great feature here today. Um, we had, you know, Mark and Holly. So let's let's go on a send off. Just want to give a few reminders. Uh, this weekend, uh, the the LFL, the Legends Football League, Week Two, the Omaha Heart versus New England Liberty at Ralston Arena. Plus the LFL now on CW and my network regional broadcast, and as always on YouTube. Uh, week three, Seattle Majestics. Um, Got to make sure we check those guys out versus the Portland Shockwave. They'll be on uh, WSBN uh, TV and also on the YouTube broadcast. And if you want to follow Seattle Majestics, you can do so on Twitter at Seattle Majestics, and also on our timeline or WFANation.com, plus more IWFL, PGFL, and final weekend uh, results in Gridiron Victoria. If you want to be on the show, all you have to do is email us at gridironbeauties at gmail.com, and we can get the word out on your team, league, or profile player toward the 2016 season. All right, so that's that's it for us today. Um, if you guys want to follow us, uh, co-hosts, uh, adding Kishi's Cuties at Troy Wilson underscore one, uh, our former co-host at Pat Fans Girl 12 and at Fit for Life as well, Eric Brown. So for Inkishi Free, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez signing off. We'll catch you here next week when we talk a lot more women's gridiron as well as NFL and everything else. So thanks, everybody, for joining Good night. us. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you guys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.